Have you ever thought about that while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb? I did. I actually bought two homes in Albuquerque that I Airbnb'd, and it was just an amazing investment, honestly, because, you know, as you are accruing value in your property, you are also making money on the Airbnbs. It's amazing. So your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 21 Seeds Infused Tequila is a must-have. It's an award-winning tequila. It's infused with real juice, with real fruit, which means the flavors are built in. It's real. So you need like two or three ingredients to make your perfect cocktail. Hey, um, you know how I'm always trying to keep my house parties exciting? New cocktails? <laughs> do you? Yeah. Okay, well, here's something that's going to flip the script. Okay. All right. 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Yeah. yeah. Tell me more about this, right. Oliver Hudson. Yeah, 21 Seeds is an award-winning tequila that's infused with juice from real fruits. You only need two to three ingredients to make the perfect cocktail. Wait a minute. I think I know what brand you're talking about. You know why? Yeah. Because 21 Seeds is founded by two sisters and their friend. It's female founded. That's right. See? Sounds See like how I know? Something I can get behind. I know. Well, there's a good story behind that for sure. Listen, if you love tequila... You have to try 21 Seeds Infused Tequila. Enjoy responsibly. 21 Seeds Diageo, New York, New York. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hi, I'm Kate Hudson. And my name is Oliver Hudson. We wanted to do something that highlighted our relationship. And what it's like to be siblings. We are a sibling rivalry. No, no. Sibling rivalry. Don't do that with your mouth. <laughs> sibling rivalry. That's good. Hi. What's up? Ollie, you're in the car. I'm looking at you on FaceTime, and you're sitting in the car in Aspen. You're still yeah. I'm in rolling. Colorado. I just did, I did Pilates. I've been doing Pilates. I love that Pilates there. It's the best. And you know what we did is we set up the maze in the haunted house. We went and rented like a full on all of these black curtains and rods. And inside of the house that I'm redoing, we mm -hmm. completely mazed out the house. Oh, wow. It's awesome. And now wow. we have to just like get, we have to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, decorate, I mean, like, make yeah, it like happen. jump scares and where are the jump scares for the kids and kind of put stuff and get, you know, we got a black light coming, we got a smoke machine, we got a strobe in an area. You know, we should hire some like out of work actors. That's us. <laughs> <laughs> well, me. Yeah, that's our whole family. Actually, so no, I'm, basically, I'm... we're all. Well, We're you're, all you're going to work. <laughs> you're going to work. I'm going to work in December. Wyatt's working. Meredith's working. Pawn Ma. We can hire them. 
<laughs> I feel like mom should be the person who like opens the door for the kids. Mm-hmm. That's good. Welcome. You know. Hello. <laughs> and our Halloween's gonna be like us. I mean, it's, it, like it's just gonna be like you know, <laughs> the kids are gonna be like go go. Like seriously, that's the fun of it. Um. Yeah, anyway. we should all play a part somehow in the whole deal. I'm excited. It'll be really fun. But I'm I'm doing um, they the blood where they take your blood and spin it. What's it called? A vampire facial. It's the thing. plasma. Yeah, the vampire yeah. facial. Yeah, I did it's, that. It's I great did that for your once. skin. Yeah. No, I did it, and and it was crazy. He was just took a needle and was squirting it all over my face. It was cold. <laughs> it was cold. Can we and it put was, this in the episode? I don't care. Can yeah. we? <laughs> I want to put this in because I think that I think that it's one of those things where people talk about women doing these kind of fun yeah. treatments and lasers, and the reality is is that a lot of men are doing them now too. They just don't talk about it. Oh my god! Well, you know, before I even started. I was asking a million questions like, so how many celebrities have done this? I mean, men. I mean, are there men who do this? I mean, do you know celebrity men who've actually done this? And they're like, and Jason, Dr. Diamond's like, you, you wouldn't even know. It would, it would shock you to know the amount of men, male celebrities who I, you know, do shit to. So, yeah, so I went in and I had blood splattered all over my face. And then they took a, a, a knee, then they needled it in there. And then they did a fucking laser. Yeah. Well, and you then. He you goes, let's try some Botox. So I'm like, oh, shit, like, for real. He's like, ah, just trust me, da, da, da. I was like, all right, fuck it. Let's do it. He puts Botox in my face. I'm like, all right, I didn't feel like anything. Two days later, I'm making an expression in the mirror, and one eyebrow <laughs> literally goes up into my hairline. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? I called him immediately. I'm like, Jason, dude, what the fuck? You just ruined my life. He's laughing. He goes, come back in. And then he put some more in here just to calm it down. But, I mean, it looked insane. I looked like a villain. I was like, it, it, it was going up oh, here. So, well, what happens is, is that we all have a stronger side. So when you get something like Botox, it's going to react differently. So it's actually important when you go in, and this is actually for, for everybody out there listening for this, this is the Botox special. Um, <laughs> it, when, when you go in, it's important that you ask if this is uneven, I don't want to come back and pay for more because mm -hmm. you made it, you know what I mean? Like, can I, yeah. you know, if you don't get this right, do I get to come back and can you fix it? And they should say, of course. Of course, because yeah. otherwise that would be a whole scam. I mean, then they could just fuck you up on purpose. I know. So you and come just... back in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but I haven't done it. I did it the one time and then now I'm going back and I, I, I don't know if I think I might do it again. I think I liked it. No one knew. I mean, first of all, I have no problem obviously telling anyone, but I might do it again. I, this is what I'm worrying, wondering about. Like, should I fucking... I yeah. go to work in December. Who cares? I don't really care. I, I just, you know, it I don't care. It goes away. I don't have a stigma about it. I have so many, like, deep wrinkles, too, that I don't think you could even get. I, I'll still look manly, you know, but just without looking like Benjamin Button. I have a friend who's really famous, um, who, uh, a male who I would have never thought would get Botox. And one time I, I saw him and he was on a little bit of a break and I was like, he just blew his face <laughs> up with Botox. Like his whole face was like frozen. And I was like, that's really clever. Like he's on a break between movies. Yeah. 
Oh, and so, then by the oh. time he starts shooting again, all of his, you know, all of it goes away and he has his expression, but he doesn't have the deep, deep line. So essentially he like cryogenically froze himself in a, in a way. Exactly. <laughs> he used it for preservation, not right. to be on screen. That's right. interesting. So to- he did it months before. And then by the time he got on, it died down and he had his movement back and, ah. and it looked like youthful. Wow. Yeah, but he didn't tell me that. I just knew that that's what he was doing. (laughs) Um, I think we should ask people um, about the stigma, like men. Yeah. You know, because the the truth is, is that women always get asked this question. Mm -hmm. Always about Botox and filler. And what are your thoughts on that? I want to just every man that we have on our show go, okay, you know, like, That's a good like idea. With, we should have asked McConaughey, like, what are your thoughts on Botox and fillers? Like, wow. Do you think McConaughey has done Botox or anything like that before? <laughs> Doesn't look like it. No. He looks great. He did look great. It was he looked so really, nice to see his He looked him. really I, great. He was so cool and fun and and and, and settled and centered. Yeah. You know? More than I've ever, ever seen him. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I I mean, I I was saying this in the interview that I've known him for almost 20 years now. And um, it was the most calm I think I'd mm-hmm. ever seen him. Rooster, on the other hand. <laughs> I love Rooster. Oh, and my he's God. so funny. His timing is just the best. Yeah. What I realized with this episode, too, was there's so much that we talked about, but there's so much more to talk yeah. about because there's so much history there, you know? Yeah. I feel like we just touched the surface, and it was still so fun. And his new book is called Green Lights. It is out now, and he's really, really open about his life and how he grew up. I mean, he really puts it out there. Mm-hmm. You get a much bigger understanding of who Matthew McConaughey is and, and why it really he explains is who he everything. Is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. That's what I was about to say. It explains everything. And I love the philosophy and the concept behind green lights. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That idea that there are no reds or yellows, essentially. Everything can everything turns green, you know? I think it's such a, a great way to look at things. Yeah, Matthew kind of comes out with these gems, you know? It's yeah. like never underestimate what he's actually trying to say. It was also so nice and so so great to see how proud Rooster is and was of his brother. I mean, it was he was almost emotional at, at one Ugh. point, you know? Um, I mean, even about the book. I mean, even about, I mean, he's like, yeah, he he loves his bro. And I have to say there are some absolute gems in this book. You will love it. It's so Matthew. I can say that from working with him for over the years and knowing him as well as I do, that you are getting a real true yeah. honest and not Matthew to give it not to give book. it away too, but he he goes in he goes into how this book was conceived, what he did to go write it, the time that he had to take off, and it's pretty interesting. So here is Matthew and Rooster McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. I feel like his is way better. (laughs) Well, it's his. It has to be. (laughs) 
lucky to be here. I, I'm, I've been so damn busy doing nothing. I ain't got time to do anything. What have you? What <laughs> have you been doing? Nothing. But you never, Kate and Oliver. That this might he's he's kind of full of shit because this man never sits down. Hey, oh, you're always oh. piddling doing something. You're the busiest guy I know. Or I mean, yeah. I'll never see and, until you unless you're sitting down with Miller to watch a western at seven o'clock on a Sunday morning. You never sit down. Mm. No. And he still wakes up no, at 4 a.m. I feel like you guys speaking might get of, that hustle from Mama McConaughey. She keeps it rolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's hard enough to keep up with. So let's start, you guys. You guys, first of all, you're 16 years apart. That's yes. a big, that's a huge age difference. Rooster, where were you born? In Houston. And Matthew, you were born in? Valdi. So give, give us give us a little color as to like what that looked like for you, Rooster, pre pre Matthew. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, my dad was a played for Green Bay, whatever. And I don't remember all that part of it, but he he was in sales for Technico, so we kind of moved around. And we went from well, I think we lived in three different houses in San Antonio, and then we moved up. We were in Corpus. We was in McAllen. I mean, with New Orleans, and I'm never sure whether we moved or my parents were splitting up. They were married three times to each other, you know. Most of the most of the turmoil was back before Matthew or whatever. I used to tell my ask my mom and, and, and my dad, did y'all ever have an argument without coming and waking me up so I could referee the damn thing? I mean, what I remember this <laughs> shit going on since I was like three, you know. And so, so it, they, so they, I never, I was with my grandparents, whatever. Well, then. When Matthew, we got Patrick. Pat was adopted. Hey, wait, Patrick was, was adopted. You weren't the little brother for for your birthday. Is that correct? Yes, he was. We got him. He was born July 27th. We picked him up on August 2nd, my birthday. And they gave you, they literally got you a little brother for your birthday. Gave me a little brother. Sure did. <laughs> Peed all over me. Hell, I was happy as all get out. When We drove me back from Houston to, to Uvalde. And he was, uh, I mean, I always wanted a little brother. And... Sure enough, he because my dad supposedly couldn't have any more. You know, he was supposed to be shooting blanks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, then, 16, 15 and a half years later, yeah. or whatever it is. One sperm. Whoa. One sperm <laughs> made it through. Just <laughs> oh, yeah. happened. It was the right night. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 16 yeah, years of blanks. Yeah. And I mean, it, 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 and it's pretty suspicions are everywhere. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, right. and, <laughs> and I'm wish my dad hadn't died because the son of a bitch more looks more like my dad than any of us do, you know. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and he finally accepted. He always said he had better his personals were here. He said, Matthew's my son. I don't know what happened to you, son, with those personals you have, but Matthew is my son. <laughs> <laughs> you took after your mother. Well, well. Wait, I heard that I heard that your dad was at the bar, Matthew, when you were born because he sort of was uh, kind of right. Well, Wasn't he didn't, that the story? He didn't think what, he didn't think that you were his, so he's like, Fuck "That's it. what mom does." What mom told me that he said he, that you know, for the first five months pregnancy, mom said, "Oh, I thought you were a tumor because we've been trying for so long," and and dad didn't believe me. And then all of a sudden, I had him down to have the baby called Jim, and he said, "No, I'm not. I'm not coming. I'm not coming down there." Uh, uh, and it was it was sort of a joke. I understood, as I understood it. You tell me, Ru, but it was sort of a joke. That's not my boy, um, but I was. And that he said, "No, you you have him. Just one rule: if it's a, if it's a boy, don't name him Kelly." 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You always want to name somebody Kelly. Mom Try to name my dog that, yeah. But I think the the bar he was at was like across the street from the hospital. You know, he was. Oh close. yeah, that's not bad. Wait, wait. Let me get, let me get this straight. Did your parents <laughs> divorce and get remarried three, three times. times to each other? Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I've heard this story from Matt, Matthew's mom mm-hmm. a lot. She likes that story. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Can't live with you. Can't live without you. Right. Yeah. But but did they actually have three ceremonies? Meaning like, oh, we're divorced and then we're gonna get married again and have another wedding. Yeah, I've got one. I've got photos where they were in San Antonio with the Catholic priest for the second one, Rue. Um, you do? Put, put it in the book, yeah. Um, but you were you were, you were around for a lot more of the rock and roll years with them mm. than oh, I was. absolutely. I at, the, at the very my, when I was very young, but after that, it would sit it settled down. Oh, so you, when you came into the picture, yeah. Matthew, everything sort of mellowed out a little bit. Uh, I mean, I say I call. I caught the tail end of a few uh, uh, tidal waves um, that I got that I got to witness. <laughs> but rooster, rooster, but then every time I would be like, "What?" and I'd you know, just go to rooster, he'd be like, "Oh no, that shit happened all the time." Yeah, <laughs> it was like a special event to me. He's like, "Oh shit, no, that goes on weekly." Were you were you just desensitized to it, Rooster? Or was it just part of life? It's like, oh shit. I mean, oh man, you know, I mean, people say that that. Uh, I hate conflict, you know. I mean, because I was always refereeing those two. I mean, you know, and I won't get into total details. Of course, I mean, so of course you, you know. kind of grow up, Rooster, being like, yeah, you're the you're Switzerland. It's like that's probably yeah. where you're happiest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm always somebody gets all oh, let's figure this out. You know, hold on, it can't be that bad. You know, or we'll, you know, or just somebody, you know, says something negative, I'll throw something positive in. You know, just because I don't, you know, I just hate conflict. I mean, you and are, I've been you, married three times. Yeah, you know been, I mean? I'm like, yeah. I've been married three times. I mean, I guess it's, I, I married, I finally had to marry a woman that's 21 years younger than me. I guess I need somebody my maturity level or something because <laughs> I never have grown up. I don't know, you know, but I mean, it's like, I don't like conflict too no, much. You know? you so I kind of want to get into mom a little bit about her personality and, and, and how you growing up first, Rooster, and then talking about when Matthew came along, if you saw any like changes in mom or if, you know, you, you kind of have a real, yeah. a, a longer perspective of all of that. Well, they, the biggest problem with my parents is they were both big, heavy A personalities. I mean, heavy. They get in fights over goddamn card games, you know, and shit, you know what I mean? But <laughs> when Matthew was born, mother said, you're not going to, I'm not, we're not going to raise him hard. Like, you know, try not to raise him hard. Like you raise these boys. And he said, well, you know what she said. I want him to be able to verbalize better. I want to, you know, you and dad. My dad goes, well, God dang, man, hell, you know, whatever you want to do, you know. And so, mother with Matthew was more. Uh, he got to be a little more verbal. Am I right, Matthew? Absolutely. Yeah, I got. He got to, he got to ask why. Why? If you said go do this, he got to say, well, why? Yeah, man. Well, you know, if you just went with the what. And you went up and you got tumbled over you. My dad went back in. Interrupt here, Rue. And, and, and I'm, you're doing it naturally and I do it naturally. And Kate and Oliver, this happens every time I'm asked about our family and our, the love story that we grew up with, that, 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 that how much you love mom and dad and how much we all, the brothers, we all love each other and how tight of a family are. When I tell the love stories, I always do exactly what Rue says. I tell the stories <laughs> when we were disciplined. Mm. We heard this a lot in the family. I, I I love you. I just don't like you right now. Uh-huh. So those were yeah. times of being disliked. Also, that was one of our lines from our movie. It's a great one. It's a great one. 
Yeah, it was one of our lines. I love we you, Banky, but I don't like you right now. You're at now. <laughs> yes. So, Rooster, so you're 16, Matthew's born. How, how long were you in the house while Matthew was in the house? How much time did you guys get together? Early on, not much at all. No. You and I, I, you and I didn't 18. become brothers or, or buddies until I got to be what? 20, 21 or something? That's when you and I really I got, got to know each other. When you're, when I, I think we really got, when dad died, when we really got to close. Right. Right. And yeah. So I was 21. And so even, but, but in yeah. that so time span, like there was, there was no child. real relationship between the two of you, huh? Cause he was gone. Oh well, yeah. You know, we did, we saw each other, but it wasn't like, you know, he was doing his deal. He wanted him to be a, you know, a, cause Matthew's a good negotiator. And he, you know, one of his first things is like to be a lawyer. And I go, what do you want to be a lawyer from? And everybody's going to hate your guts. They're just going to act like they like, and they're really not going to like you, mm-hmm. you know? I said, no, you know, I said, I mean, come on, man. You know, so I mean, so I was happy to see that he, he wasn't, but my dad always kind of wanted him to be one. He'd have been a hell of a lawyer too. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just some certain things that we, yeah, we were there, we were close, but we didn't, after my dad died, we got really, really like, he had questions for me, you mm-hmm. know, like was, was this right or that right? You know, and, and mm-hmm. we got really, really close. Questions, after, questions, after meaning that. trying to understand who your father was separate from your Sometimes, relationship, yeah. Matthew? Is this, was this true? I mean, but my dad, like he did Little League, you know what I mean? No matter what happened in our house, it was, there was a lots of love. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. so you, so, but I, I used to see you on like when you'd come home for Christmas or something like that. And I, I didn't, I didn't. You and I got to know each other much later. Pat, middle brother, who's not on the who's not on yeah. the Zoom right now, he was my heroic older brother to mm-hmm. me. He was the one who, you know, who I really looked up to. Um, and who taught me how to dance, taught me how to ask a girl out on a day, mm. would would take up for me and not not tell on me, or you know, if I did something or I I, I wouldn't tell on him for something if it was he and I a secret. And um, but Pat, you and Pat had that relationship. You were that to Pat for quite some time, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah, but the the distance or age difference, I never did. In other words, I never really picked on my brothers because of our, I guess, because of our age difference. And I didn't allow anybody else to pick on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we had, it was nine years between me and Pat, you know, and 16 between Matthew. Oh, I did. Wow. So they were like my little pals. You know, I, we, I te- we, we could tease them. The God awful tease them. I mean, we could always tease them. I allowed that, but you wasn't going to like, you know, pick on them. I, di- I didn't allow that too much. Mm-hmm. Funny story. On a, on a tease. So when I'm, what, I don't know, four years old, three years old, whatever, <laughs> diapers, Uvalde, Texas, and I had a pretty, pretty nice chubby gut and everything. Oh, and, uh, Perfectly he's, round. he's coming. Okay. What's up little fat man? You know what I mean? So yeah. now I'm out there and I'd be playing in the front yard <laughs> and I'd hear this distant sound about a half a mile away, coming, getting ladders. It got to me and going, <laughs> I'd look up and <laughs> it was Rooster in the station wagon. Plowman. Plowman. <laughs> and they'd be driving down the street. They knew I was in their front yard and they'd all be in the car going, no, 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 no. Until they got right in front. It'd be really loud to be, no, 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 no. And all in use and they go, Batman! I am not fat. I am not fat. Instead of saying Batman, we go Batman, and he'd run to the backyard. 
And by the time we can circle back again, a little bastard would be right out there in their little trainer panties, standing right there with nothing but them underwear on, and waiting on us to do it again. He loving every goddamn minute. <laughs> oh my God. I love that story so much. So Pat was really there during the formative years. Rooster, where did you go? You know, you the less Harley. money you got, the less money you got, the sooner you got to leave the house. You know, so <laughs> we, so I left pretty early and went. And oh, I got married when I was like twenty. Mm-hmm. But were you in the same town? I, yeah, I went to college for a little bit, and then I came back and worked in the pipe yards again, and ended up uh, getting married. And I had a year later had Madison, and then I went on and I got transferred out That's to Midland, Texas, when I was twenty-two. So they were still there in Uvalde, and I and uh, Midland, Texas, just took a liking to me, and I, and I and I got you know, kind of moved up, you know, he financially. Moved up, he moved up the ladder quick, and Rusha, you correct me if I'm wrong, but Rusha got out there to Midland, and like the oil boom was hitting, and he was making seven digits quickly. Ooh. And I remember you saying that that you were you were rolling. Was this after? You after you and Marsha divorced when you were rolling with Leroy yeah. and y'all were this was this was twenty four trips in a private plane to Vegas a year. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Did, did the Bellagio offer you a salary? To, no, the Aladdin. The Aladdin offered offered you a salary to be a, a shield. Just to just to play craps there. They were gonna oh give him God. a penthouse at the top and a salary if he would just play craps because he drew that many people to the craps. Yeah. yeah. The people would sit there and they wouldn't leave they wouldn't leave the blackjack table or the crap table because they were having too much fun. Oh, that's great. Uh, is this is this how you lost your first million? <laughs> I actually lost the whole in nineteen eighty three four the whole industry went bankrupt. Okay. And I lost it all. And that's when I sent all my, I had a little diamond in a rooster with a little diamond eye, you know, when I was wearing Oscar skin boots, love your blue boots. I, I dressed up starch shirt, all this shit, you know, weighed about 160 pounds. I mean, I'm the cat meow. And, and, and I looked up and I said, I'm a broke dick dog. And I'm like, God damn. So I shipped all my nice shit to my brother, Patrick. My boots, everything. I said, I'm going back to the way I'm going to start all over, man. I'm going back to my roots. I'll never forget who I am. And to this day, I dress just the way I always I did back before I moved. Yeah. I mean, I, and to this day, I said, I will never forget who that's I am. That's great. And that's, Ever again. Yeah. And I kind of did yeah. for a little bit. You know? I feel like your name also is like just the perfect nickname for you. How? Why, where did that come from? Well, it's actually a guy. I had a drinking contest with a guy when I was like married to my first wife, and he and I told him I really used to get up like at daylight. The men, I mean, sun up. I got up. It didn't make any difference. But I was in the elevator shaft. I woke up at, at daylight, and he came over and we, we drank beer till I don't know what time in the morning it was. And he had to be somewhere at nine in the morning, about forty miles away. And it and old Glenn says, "I need alarm." I said, "Come on, man. You know, you know, I get up first thing. Day I don't even worry about." It. About eight forty-five, I walked in there and I said, "Man, I'm like shit." I said, "Goddamn, Glenn, man, hey, man." He said, "What time is it, motherfucker?" I said, "Eight forty-five." Goes, "You rooster, motherfucker." Well, <laughs> it caught on, and I t- and I didn't take it with me to Midland, but he walked in a bar in Midland when I- to see me, 
and call me rooster and everybody just said that's who you are and they and they never oh, it, so great i love that well matthew when you when you finally were of age to understand who your brother was i mean what did you think of him from afar meaning you're t- 15 years old and now you see him now and again and was he this sort of sort of wild free-spirited guy who you looked up to i know that pat was more your speed at that time but you know did- yeah pat was more the speed at the time but like when soon when pop moved on is when I did go to Rooster to go, okay. And plus, I was now 21. And tw- when you're 20, over 18, 21, that's your real rite of passage in yeah. the McConaughey family. That's when, yeah. you know, other than that, because we're going to go. They're gonna we go don't have to help you anymore. Yeah. No. One, you're on your own. If you hadn't learned it yet, you ain't going to learn it. And two, now instead of just hearing about the stories, you can come with us to the ranch or the bar wherever we go, and you can be part of the stories. Mm. Um, so, Roosh and I then, through learning about dad and asking him stuff and finding out stuff that I did not know, stuff that I that 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 turned out to be even even false, even some great lies that I was like, oh, I didn't know that mom and dad were divorced at that time. I thought mom was just on vacation down in Navarre Beach having a little summer to herself. No, they were divorced. So I found out things, and I found out things about about dad. Um, found out some of those things that you find out when you got a parent that moves on, like where the message was different than the messenger, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but Rooster really helped me also because some of those things where I found out the message was different than the messenger being my father, and some of the things. My initial reaction was what most people's initial reaction was: I was pissed off, mm-hmm. and I was I was like sad. Or well, and, and Rooster got me laughing and going, man, that's just, you still keep alive those things that you want to keep alive with him that he did teach you. Even if he didn't follow them all the time, mm-hmm. you just take them on. And I stand and we laughed it off and, and, you know, cried it off and, and, and then, and then forgave and moved on and just kind of was easy to quickly continue loving my dad for who he was and who I even thought he was before I found out some things that he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Right. Easy for you to forgive, though. I mean, it sounds like you're you're a pretty forgiving person, just in general. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was actually kind of, in a way, even then, it was relaxing. <laughs> well, you <laughs> have to. Okay. I mean, don't stick to those 100. percent you, 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 you learned to forgive around our house because there was a lot to forgive. Right. <laughs> you're so busy doing it that you damn sure got good at. It's like you know doing anything else. You know. You always say this, Ruby. How are you gonna? How you? What is it? How you know what's what, what's right if you don't do wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think there's so much pressure for people to be living some kind of like perfect utopian kind of mm-hmm. a, a life, you know, and it just nothing will ever exist like that. You know, you got to leave room for the mis- you I want my children to make mistakes and like have it be a, it's a part of the process, you know. Did you guys look at your children once you had children and take things that you loved your parents did with you and then other things that you vowed never to do. I mean, you know, how about emulating sort of who your fan, who your parents were as a, as a, as fathers yourselves? Uh, I mean, for me, I took a lot of what, you know, I, I, I took, I found great value in a lot of the way in, in almost every way that my mom and dad raised me. You, I know I thought that it was more having a, having children was, was more about the environment they're raised in and less about DNA. And with every single day that my kids are alive, I'm reminded, no, it's more about DNA than it was even environment. That, mm-hmm. I'm that we can nudge them and put them in the right place, put the right things in front of them and try to remove the wrong things in front of them. But basically, they're, they're, 
who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it's uh, like it's so like interesting. it's like nature versus nurture. It's our job to nurture their nature. We just got to be in tune enough to know and to be aware of their nature. Yeah, I mean, I always think about that. Like, if Jeffrey Dahmer was a baby and raised by the McConaughey's, would he be Jeffrey Dahmer? You know, would he be eating people at the end of the day or no? I mean, that's... No. Well, we might have locked him in the freezer. We locked him in the barn. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, if we saw that tendency early, it, 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 we, we, we'd have given him some good penance. Yeah. <laughs> I love DoorDash. DoorDash makes ordering easy. The thing is, is that we are still pretty closed down here in, in Los Angeles. So DoorDash is a savior. Mm-hmm. You want Chinese. They want pizza. Someone wants Froyo. You can There's do it all. We can order out. Everything for everyone. Exactly. We can literally say, and by the way, we did that the other night because you know how Bing is. I mean, he doesn't oh my God, like I know. anything that anyone eats. That's ever. my picky boy. My picky boy. You got to, with Bing, you got to order like six different door dashes just for him so you can put the meal together. <laughs> so true. <laughs> We're we're in the time we're still living in the time of COVID. Obviously, our the, our local restaurants still need our support. That's what's also great about this. You know, we're we're continuing to support our restaurants safely. Um, there are thousands of restaurants that are, are still open for delivery on DoorDash that that need your support. They need your patronage now than ever. So you're you're doing a double service here. You're That's getting right. the food that you want, and then you're also helping keep these restaurants afloat. They have 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. Um, And then also they are contactless. So what that means is they basically are doing everything they can to keep everyone's communities uh, safe in the way that they operate. Yes, and before I do the call to action, there are a few things that are happening in this time of COVID that I would like to keep. And one of them, I think, is this contactless delivery. I love it. I love that the idea that all of a sudden your phone buzzes and there's just food outside your door. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're like, hey, you can leave it on the grass. Yeah, just leave it on the grass. (laughs) You're like, great, see you later. (laughs) Yeah, it's perfect. Um, so right now our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code SIBLING, that's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code SIBLING. Don't forget, that's code SIBLING for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Helix. Helix. Wonderful Helix. Helix, yeah. Oliver, give us your introduction with a personalized story of your connection to Helix. Here's my introduction to Helix. I went on the website. I took the quiz. I explained to the computer how I like to sleep. I said, computer, Helix website. I like to sleep on my side. I like to sleep on a soft mattress. I don't want to sleep on a hot mattress. And then the computer said, hey, here's this beautiful Helix Lux Midnight Mattress that is perfect for you based on the quiz that you just took. They sent it to my house. The box was so little I didn't even understand there was a mattress in there. I cut that shit open. It expanded eight times the size 
that it was packaged in, which was amazing. I brought the kids in to even see this thing happen. Boom. Sleeping on that thing. I've never slept better. My sex life is better. Oh, did you know that Helix? Did you know that Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine? I did know that. Did you know that you they have a 10-year warranty and that you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free? Yes, I knew that, Kate. But did you know that you just got to go to helixsleep.com slash sibling? You take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Did you know that? I know that now. Yeah, because I told you. <laughs> um, all right, so... Helix is offering up to $200 off of all, every one of them, all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash sibling. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash sibling for up to $200 off. So, Matthew, you've got a book coming out, and I do want to talk a little bit about the story that you tell um, about your mom and the the uh, face oil. Oh, the mink oil. <laughs> <laughs> because I think this is such a great, like, I mean, just an That's example great. of your mom, you know. Then I'm asking you to trap people and embarrass the shit out of it. We have to invite everybody over for a barbecue and bring that shit out, try to sell it, and weigh the shit out of them. Oh, oh God, we'd be- it was door to door sales, and it was I think it was Elaine who worked for Dad at the time that got Mom to sell this oil of mink. It's a beautiful new breakthrough oil product that you put on your face. It brings out the impurities, and once all the impurities out, you will have beautiful glowing skin for the rest of your life. So Mom's peddling. Oh, this is great. She's putting it on. She's going door to door. Well, I'm about fourteen, fifteen. Got a little oily skin, teenager, got a few pimples, right? Mm-hmm. Well, one day mom goes, huh, you want to get rid of those pimples? I'm like, well, yeah. She goes, you should put on this oil of mink. So I start each night rubbing down my face, oil of mink, cover my face. <laughs> After about a week, I've got quite a few more pimples. And she's like, I go, mom, she's like, oh, it's the impurities coming out. It's working. <laughs> about another week, I'm putting it on. All of a sudden, I'm getting, my face is starting to get swollen. And it's like, <laughs> it's ugly. And I'm like, mom, she goes, wow. Got a lot of impurities. <laughs> I go three weeks. Now all of a sudden it's I don't I look like the elephant man. I'm swollen up. I've got full-blown major acne. Yeah. And I sneak off to the dermatologist and he says, Whoa, my God, Matthew, what, what are you putting in your face? I show him this Miko and he goes, No, 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 no. That's for like people over 40. This is clogging up your pores. You've got oily skin going through adolescence. You can't put this on your skin. Got me on Accutane. I went that on Accutane, day. too. Yeah. So bad oh, for you. Miracle. Yeah. Miracle it drug, right? So bad, in. but so bad. Saved my ass. Yeah. So um, so I get I get on that, and it goes on for a year. You get the dry slits. You get dandruff. Your knees, your joints hurt, all this other stuff. Well, as I'm getting on that, um, Dad gets the idea that he's going like, and this says a lot about dad. He let me get him over. Why wouldn't you be a lawyer? Our litigation. Look, I should be a lawyer. Comes in, he's like, I reckon we can make a little money off of this thing. I mean, it doesn't even say on the bottle, you know, that no kid's supposed to put that on his face. I mean, what the hell? I mean, I'm gonna call my lawyer, Jerry Harris. He goes down and goes, Jerry, Jerry, what do you think? And Jerry, Jerry goes, mental fatigue, 
not a lack of confidence. I, I think we got a case here with your son, Big Jim. <laughs> I think we can make thirty-five to fifty thousand dollars to take this company down because they shouldn't have been given it. So he sees me and Jerry's like, God damn boy, look at you. You're all swollen up. You don't even look like yourself. My God. He goes, was he, did you have mental anguish from this experience with this Minko? I'm, yes, sir. And he goes, well, like what? Did you lose confidence? And I'm like, look at my dad. And dad's going, I'm like, yeah, I lost confidence. And he's like, did you, did, did it harm? Were you doing as well with the girls? And I look at dad and dad's like going, I'm like, no, I was doing horrible, horrible with the girls. It was a dry, man. It was, it was, it was horrible. And I, I lost confidence. And, I, blah, blah, blah. and he goes, <laughs> We got it. Thirty-five, fifty thousand. We wrote, we walked that line, and in the prosecution, we got this money. So, boom, here we go. Now, as you know, depositions and court cases go on a while. Cut. Let me interrupt you. It was more. He was going to sue for a lot more. Remember, he had to settle for some because of what happened here. You're going to tell why. Okay. I thought he <laughs> nothing. Well, anyway, cut to year, cut to eighteen months later. <laughs> I'm now a senior. The acne's gone. The Accutane worked. All right. <laughs> I'm now a senior. I'm sitting in the, in the the law office now talking to the defense attorney who's sitting across from me and he's like going, I mean, the mental anguish just must've been so tough for you, Matthew. And I'm in my mind going, I can't believe he's serving me this softball. I'm going to hit this out of the park. I'm like, Oh yes, sir. It was, it was, it was horrible. I mean, he goes, I, I bet you just lost so much confidence. I said, Oh, I did. Yeah. He goes, what else? I go, I wouldn't do any good with the girls, man. I was depressed. He's like, Oh, so tough. So tough. And then he took a pause and he reaches under the desk and he pulls out this green yearbook. He's got mm-hmm. this thing flagged. He opens it up, turns around and slides it in front of me, puts his finger out on it. And he goes, who's that? And it was a picture <laughs> of me next to Camisa Springs. In my senior year, I had won most handsome. <laughs> yeah. That's looking. won most and- beautiful. And I knew right then. Oh. I was like, oh, it's over. We blew it. And I looked up at him and he goes, it's been so tough, hadn't it? And I'm like, damn it, we lost. And I remember dad going, what the hell, boy? We were going to make 50 grand and you got to run off and win goddamn most handsome and screw the whole deal. Yeah. You kept your good dumbass brother did. He gets voted most handsome. Goddamn, what the hell? Oh, God. I love that story. That's amazing. Wow. I mean, you really did have your your childhood is so full of amazing stories, you know. But when did you become such a traveler and a wanderer? Because it started early, man. I mean, I was reading about you and just, mm. you know, you were just on your own trip, living the life, honestly, that I would like to live right now with three kids. And just doing your thing and happy and and just pursuing whatever was in your heart in that moment. Like, did, what did, was that just innate? Was there any running away uh, at all from a psychological uh, standpoint? Or was this just, I need to be out? I don't know. I mean, it started with um, two weeks out of high, a week, right, right when I finished high school, like everybody, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. Uh, where I was going to go to college. I was mm. going to think I was going to go be a lawyer, but I wasn't sure. And my mom said... What about being an exchange student? Mm. And I was like, that sounds great. So went down and there was an opening for Sweden and Australia. And I was thinking in 1988, sunny beaches, L. McPherson, English speaking, I'm going to Australia. <laughs> uh, so two weeks later, boom, I went over there for a year. Um, came back from that, started school, and really didn't do much more big traveling until I got out to to Hollywood and 
sort of became successful after I got famous with the time to kill, I needed to go find some places where I knew I was had nothing but me in a backpack mm. and took, would take these 22 day trips on my own to there, to Peru or Africa. And then I tried out a grand experiment of living on the road for three and a half years of my Airstream. Right. Which worked. And that's back when we only had the uh, blackberries, Yeah, but it worked. And so I was like, Oh, if I got to meet with, uh, Cade or director somewhere, I'll pick them up in Albuquerque tomorrow morning and I'm going to keep driving west and I'll drop them off in Phoenix or El Paso. Wasn't that that kind of when, right, like after How to Lose a Guy that you did a lot of the Airstream travel or was that before? A lot of it was before. We were, what was How to Lose a Guy, 99, 97? No, 2001. A lot of it was before and there was still some of it after. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I remember you checking out and going airstreaming after that. Yeah, I mean, and you know, now we got kids, and all of you got three kids. We that, <laughs> those days of throwing that backpack on, saying, "See you later," heading out tomorrow morning. Not up in the rear until we start taking with us. I just bought a trailer because the kids love it. We went on a two week adventure this summer, and uh, I rented one, and then I bought one. I wanted to buy an Airstream, but I was going to go cheaper just to make sure I liked it and then build one yeah. out, you know, that I really love. And uh, yes. I just love that feeling, that freedom of just being with your family in the middle of fucking nowhere and living. That's where you freaked out. You freaked out on your 44, on your four, on your birthday, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, 44. <laughs> <laughs> I listened that's, to that. I listened, I listened to that. Yeah, you, that's you right. freaked out in your... And your sister said you you were going to freak out. You freaked out, couldn't get your breath or some kind of shit. Oh, oh, oh his panic oh, attacks. Oh, my panic. I went through oh, yeah. major, panic attack. I went through major anxiety in my 20s. Yeah. Just fucking for a year, losing it. Like, couldn't leave the house, throwing up. You know, I was trying to be an actor at the time. I was 24 years old, still trying to audition. And I got a, uh, I, I, I got, I call back. I had to go to New York and read with Laura Linney. And I remember I had to get on this plane. I was throwing up the whole plane ride. <laughs> I, I land, I go to sleep, I'm throwing up on the on Fifth Avenue. I mean, it's I was not it, funny, but it, it's hilarious. It, it, it was, I was a fucking mess. I was a mess for about eight or nine months, just trying to figure it out. I went to every doctor you can imagine, and then I just started meditating. I had my rock that I would walk up to and, and meditate and write in my journal, and uh, eventually I was able to sort of come out of it. But it was a gnarly, gnarly time for me in my, in my, in my early 20s. Now it's more about Wait, sweating, Rooster. The- now, now he just can't sweat. So yeah. it's a, that's, a, that's the yeah, new... some shit's going on, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to figure like out how to... Havelina. Havelina, they don't sweat. That's me. Oh, that's yeah, an animal. that's you. That's you. That's right. So Oliver, what what was it? Were you were you were you compounding your thoughts and making yeah. everything too complicated, overthinking stuff? Yeah, I think it was again trying to be an actor, not really taking it seriously. Kate was famous. I have these famous parents not understanding sort of where I fit in. Um, it was almost like a quarter life crisis in a way. You know, I I just was not secure with who I was or who I was supposed to be. I I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what I loved. It wasn't acting right. at the time. I I was just sort of drifting, you know, and it, it all compounded in one moment. I was walking into Crazy Girls, <laughs> <laughs> and and my friend was walking ahead of me, and I took a step, and it, it was as if my heart exploded. I thought I was having a heart attack, and I went down to a knee and almost reached for him. His name was John. I was like, John, and he didn't hear me. And I was like, I'm going to fucking die in Hollywood in front of Crazy Girls right now. This is going to be horrible for my entire family. I gathered myself, 
got my breath back. I went in, had a vodka, and I was like, I got to settle down, and then eventually had to leave, and that moment was the mark of about eight, eight, eight to nine months of just hell. Um, huh. And I got, you know, I was in therapy and trying to figure it out. Medical first, and then realizing that this has nothing to do with my physical body. It was all about my emotional state. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I learned a lot about myself in those eight, nine, ten months. And it's still the foundation of, of sort of how I think today. You know, I'm, right. I'm able to sort of draw back on what that felt like and why I felt that way. Um, but unconscious. It was totally unconscious. I thought life was fucking great. You know, right. Turns out it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting because because Matthew, you know, you're, you're sort of this this came up for you because you're talking about how Matthew like was a wanderer and traveled so much and just would like, you know, like he's saying, put his backpack on and check out for 22 days and just completely independent. Mm -hmm. Whereas what you're relating to, it's like now in your life, you're like, oh, my God, what I would give yeah. to put on a backpack alone totally. and go do that. Whereas before really you couldn't leave the palisades <laughs> no i was living at you, home you couldn't you could you had such a hard time here's my, my my thing was is that i was too comfortable i was i had left college after 2 years i was a pa for a while i took a film class i didn't wasn't making any real money i was trying to be an actor cuz my whole family did it got into class i liked it but it was still un unsure of who i was and uh, I, I just it was it was i was too complacent I was drinking, mm -hmm. you know, a ton, not studying for any audition. And eventually what I did was I moved out of the house with not a lot of money, but trying to put some sort of pressure on myself yeah. to perform. And it worked. I mean, I, I, after two months of being out of my house, I got my first TV gig. And, and, and that, was, that was that, you know. It's a, you know, a common thing that's come up in every story we've told um, and not condoning any one, one way of any of them. But... We're, every story here is shining a light on the value of resistance mm -hmm. and having to overcome something. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we had sometimes have to give, put ourselves in that forced winter. Like you did, you had to move out, man. I got, I got to get hungry. I got, I know when I was in Australia, I became celibate. I was a vegetarian. I was running six miles a day just because I needed to create daily disciplines just so I could keep my damn sanity. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And without them, you know, enough of it. If we're, if we're allowed to eat, eat, eat cake for every meal, it's great until a few months go by and our teeth fall out. I mean, no. it's like need assistance to overcome. It's true. It's so true. And and I've always. Well, y'all bunch of overthinkers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but but Rooster, well, I think that goddamn complicated motherfucker. You don't win. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I mean, I I do overthink a lot of shit. You're not yeah. wrong. I mean, me too. Me That's too. The worst but, enemy you ever got. Hey, this trait of Rooster and my mother are two traits that I really don't practice as much as I wish I could, but I quite envy. I mean, you talk about resilience. This and Rooster has this too. Not as much. Not as much as mom. But mom's the queen of this. When I went to mom, I was like mom. Mom, don't you have anything that you you regret? Don't you have anything that you're like things that you do at the end of the day? We're like, oh, geez, I could have done that better. Da, 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 da. And she goes, oh, honey, uh, I, every night I get in bed, I go through a mental list, and it's long of the things I regret and the things that I uh, that I just need to work on and do better. I'm like, ah, oh, well, good. She goes, but the thing is, when I wake up in the morning. I forgot them all. 
forgave himself. Oh, I mean, like, he forgives himself quicker. You know? Like, oh, okay, there's a magic trick. Just forget him. Oh my God, your mom! I feel bad longer than her. You know, I mean, I, I, I like. No, you, 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 yeah, you will. You yeah. go. I'll, I'll call up and say, "Hey, man, whatever you know, you know, get that I get out of line or something, you know." And 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 yeah, longer than her. But I, but I like to bring it to a head. In other words, I, I, the worst thing you can wake up with, Matthew. You, 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 you and I live by this. Is a guilty conscience. The mm-hmm. worst thing you can live, wake up, just, just horrible. That's the biggest burden I, I ever have is waking up with a guilty conscience. It's all, just tears us up. Right, but then yeah. what do you do, Ruth? You just, you just say, fuck it, you push it, you just push it away, or do you deal with why you're guilty? No, Rooster doesn't. Rooster, you don't push it away. You go through no. it. Mom will deny it every half. Right. And just, it's a brand new day, and it's a fresh start. <laughs> like well, I had this theory. Yeah, I mean, she, she's she's a different different animal. Yeah. Rooster, you 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 are conscientious. You have a Jiminy Cricket on your shoulder, but you will push through, and you're courageous enough to go face exactly what it is or whoever it is that right away. You can't even get to sleep that night without handling it right mm, then. That's great. But but how I but how I'll get through it that day is is I think to myself, how bad am I going to feel two weeks from now? Mm-hmm. It's probably not going to be near as bad two weeks ago. So I might try to make myself think how I'm going to feel later on, you know, mm-hmm. so many days later. And that gets you through the day. Yeah. But then you, but, but you hate, oh, but you want everybody compiles. else that you think, yeah, you, you know, you want everybody else to think that if you thought you screwed somebody around, you kind of want them to think, you know, them to be okay too, you know, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, it's so, mm-hmm. it, but to get through certain things, you got to go, well, how am I going to feel 10 days from now? I'm probably going to feel near as bad as I do now. And I'll be over the fact that I, that said something embarrassing. Oh yeah, oh, which I mean, I've done some embarrassing shit. Uh, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, look, look. I, I I have lived with so much guilt in my life, but I can't. I I couldn't hold on. You know, specifically not to get into my whole life, but with my with my wife. At the yeah. time, you know, she's my wife now. When we were engaged, I went through a fucked up situation. Totally faithful for three years. Got engaged. Some psychology happened where I just terrible. spiraled. I went into a dark, dark, dark hole. Really drinking terrible. a lot. I was out of my mind. Never got caught, but on my 30th birthday, um, hey, I will cut this. We'll cut this. No, nah, that's we'll all right. We, I told, <laughs> I told, I told her. I got a everything. podcast too. I will, I'll cut. This. I told her. <laughs> Rooster's gonna get a hold of the masters and Don't cut you this. Worry about that. We'll, we'll take. We'll edit that one. Off. <laughs> but sure my point is, is that I would take showers. I'm, I'm gonna get in trouble for just listening to this. Damn story. Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't live with the guilt anymore. I would take showers and cry in the fucking shower, and then go out and be an asshole again yeah. to the point where. I, I did what you did. How am I going to feel in 10 days? I'll be better. I'll be better. But that shit piles up, and eventually it all came to a head where I couldn't live with myself anymore and continue a life with this person and have children and all that without getting it all out because I just felt disgusting and a whole, like a horrible I mean, human being. Guilt, you either got to figure it out. Either you stay the hell with it, I'm just going to goddamn be a sorry son of a bitch, yeah. or else... I'm going to be a good guy. Yeah. And that's part of it. Yeah. Is, is guilt in, in, in your conscience. And you, and you, you know, you, and you mentioned you get there. Yeah. yeah we're well, all different. Rooster, we're all different. Too. Rooster, this is our family. So at the time that this is happening with Oliver, I had just decided to divorce my husband, who it was like devastating to my family. And then Oliver's shit goes down. And I looked at Oliver and I'm like, 
Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for making this moment easier for you know, me. He distracted him. He distracted him. Took the front page of the news. That's right. right there. He's oh, I'm off the off. hook. That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, man. That's great. Um, I get a call from Mark Rose, who is living at my house right now. And this is an ongoing theme. If you listen to this show, Sibling, you'll notice that Mark Rose appears a lot when we're doing ads. Now, this guy owns restaurants. This guy owns bars. This guy is a connoisseur of furniture. He loves article to the point where he has asked me to try to hook him up with furniture for his restaurants. I just wanted to give that personal Oh, hook it up. Yep. Um, I'm about to hook up a Matrix grass green chair from article. Oh. I'm deciding between the Matrix balsam green chair or the Matrix grass green chair. I also really like the Livia natural lounge chair. Mm-hmm. Ooh, there's stuff. There's some really good new stuff. Yeah. I, their new collection, too, is cool. And the prices. I mean, let's just be straight up here. They're very fair. They're amazing prices. You save up to 30% over traditional retail prices. Um, they're able to keep their prices low. They cut out the middleman. The middleman always takes a percentage, as you know in business, Kate, because you are the middleman. You keep taking my money. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> selling directly to you, there's no showrooms, there's no salespeople, there's no markups. Yes, it's true. You know what I like about these prices is I'm, as I'm scrolling through it right now, they're providing a little bit of something for everybody and they're able to actually, for instance, if something's like in the 700s or 800s, it usually means that a retail cost, like a real retail cost of a chair like that would be like, $1,500. So exactly. you're actually getting it at a really good value. And this is... That's a great point. And just to give everyone sort of an idea, the aesthetic of, of, of article, it's sort of, it's, it's kind of a modern aesthetic, mid-century Scandinavian industrial bohemian design. That's kind of the vibe that you'll be looking at. Thanks, all. Thanks. You're welcome. So Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Go to article.com slash sibling, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash sibling to get $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. Sakara. Whoa, whoa. Sakara. Please use the intro ideas as inspiration. If you're looking to change your diet instead of restricting what you eat. (laughs) With Sakaria putting the best food in your body so you can feel your best. (laughs) (laughs) And you can reach your health goals without sacrificing taste. (laughs) I don't even know what song that turned into. I don't know. We did our own. Um, so Sakara, Sakara is a nutrition company that focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. This yes. is our longest running, longest running. I brand know, and I, I, I love, I love them. them. They, they're, they're organic, ready to eat meals, powerfully plant based. Uh, everything they do is designed to boost your energy, to make sure that you're improving your digestion, to get the skin nice and glowy. And um, 
And it's it's the menu is creative, chef crafted. It's got breakfast, lunch, and dinners, and they change weekly. Mm-hmm. And then my favorite, always, the metabolism super powder. Do you know why? De-bloating. Because it's an all-natural remedy for bloating. That's right, Kate. Bloat, weight gain, and fatigue. That's why I'm doing Pilates. I'm, uh, you know, I'm trying to get my stomach down, but I can't do it all with sit-ups. I need to eat some Saqqara. You know, they have a holistic approach. So they support your wellness with supplements and teas and other things like that as well. It's not just the food, you know? It's had rave reviews. Vogue loves rave. it. Goop, New York Times. A Gwenny. So good. But honestly, I, I love I love everyone at Saqqara. I love the girls that started it. It just provides all of the hard stuff for you. You know, if you're trying to give yourself a, a, a kickstart, to cleaning out your body and eating really only some good plant-based foods. This is this is truly the way to um, to do it. Yeah. So right now, Sakara is offering our listeners twenty percent off their first order when they go to sakara.com/sibling or enter code sibling at checkout. That's Sakara S A K. A-R-A dot com slash sibling to get 20% off your first order sakara.com slash sibling. You know, everybody has a different journey inside of a similar situation, right? So like you're raised by the same parents and yet it just manifests itself differently. So Matthew, when did you say, I'm going to go to LA and I'm going to try this acting thing? Right. So I make a phone call to my dad between my junior, between my sophomore and junior year. I was now getting to that last two years of college where, and I'm thinking I'm going to be a lawyer. And all of a sudden it starts hitting me that, whoa, I go to, I finish school here. I go to law school for another four, three, four years. I get out. I'm really not going to be able to put my mark in the world until I'm in my thirties. Well, I don't want to really spend my whole twenties in class. Um, and I had been writing a lot. And I'd shared stories with a friend of mine, Rob Bendler, and he was like, hey, you know what? You, you're writing some good stories and stuff. And, uh, um, you know, have you ever thought going into the storytelling business and the filmmaking business behind the camera? Now, I look back at my diaries like I did going through writing the book. I wouldn't admit that I wanted to be in front of the camera back then, but I did. I couldn't even dream it, though. It was still like I was an embarrassing thought, like it's too avant-garde, too European. You got to work your way up a scale on a ladder, company ladder. That's how you, you're a blue-collar blue family. The arts are not in the, the vernacular of something to dream to do. A book finds me the greatest salesman in the world, which somehow dispurs me to go, I'm going to have the courage. I'm doing it. But I got to call dad first um, and tell him I want to go to film school instead of law school. I call him. I remember time it out. I'm going to call him about seven 30. He'll be home from work, have dinner. He'll be sitting down with a drink or something. I'll catch it. And I remember telling dad, I said, dad, I, I want to go to film school instead of law school. I caught my breath. Pause on the other end of the line. <laughs> All of a sudden he goes, my well, son, is that what you want to do? I said, yes, sir. Another pause on the other end of the line. One, two, three, four, five seconds. Then I heard them, some of those beautiful words I've ever heard out of my dad's mouth. He goes, well, <clears throat> don't half-ass it. Mm. And I was like, oh, not only did he give me his approval, man, he just sent me a flight and said, mm-hmm. don't, if you're going to do it, go do it. Don't half-ass yeah, it. So like I Love that. enrolled in film school, went to film school. And in my ju- between junior and senior year, I was in the right bar, right time, met Dom Phillips, got cast in Days Confused, three lines turned into three weeks' work. 
people were telling me I was good at it. I was making 320 bucks a day. I'm going, are you kidding me? Is this legal? Mm-hmm. I go back to school, graduate. <laughs> I had a PA job on a Hudsucker proxy. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, Cone my God. Cone brothers, yeah. Alma Cutruff, I believe she was a uh, uh, production coordinator on Days, got me a PA job. Well, I go out to Hollywood and I loaded up U-Haul, 2000 bucks, and that movie got pushed. So the PA job was no longer there. Mm. And I move in Don Phillips' couch, and uh, I remember another great lesson. I'm telling him one night, I go, man, I need to get an agent. And he, if you ever know, if you know the legendary Don Phillips, he cast Fast Times and mm-hmm. Dazed and... Mm-hmm. Uh, He's one of the kind of Hollywood's legendary casting directors, but he jumped down my throat and said, what you need to do is get the fuck out of here. If this town smells somebody needy, Mm -hmm. you're done. Mm -hmm. Get the fuck out of here. Go ride motor. And I called my buddies, Rory Cochran and Cole Hauser. And we went to Europe and rode motorcycles for a month. Didn't think about acting. Mm. Came back. Hadn't even thought about it. One night he goes, you're ready. I go for what? He goes, we got a meeting tomorrow morning. Went down to an agency, an agent signed me on. And then I got very fortunate. The very first audition I ever had had in Hollywood was for Hank McCann. Mm-hmm. And he, he was casting Boys on the Side with Drew Barrymore, Whoopi Goldberg, and... Uh, um, mm-hmm. oh, Mary, Mary, Mary. Mary Louise Parker. Thank Mary you. Mary Louise Parker. And, and I got that. And then my second audition in Hollywood was I walked on the Warner Brothers lot into a... It was for Angels in the Outfield. They were looking for a, an outfield baseball player. All-American kid, they said. So I put on my American cap and a white T-shirt. I opened the damn door, and there on the couch is the producer. I'm backlit by the 3 p.m. sun. He goes, oh, look at you. And I go, yes, sir. He goes, you ever played baseball? I said, 12 years. He goes, you got the part. <laughs> Boom. You're going to you're going to Oakland. We're gonna pay you schedule F 48 5 to yeah, go play you're, baseball you're for like 10 weeks. I'm like, what? Yeah, this is the best I, job. I never like, you know, I didn't I didn't have to do the weight tables. I didn't have to, I didn't have to ever take that PA job. Mm-hmm. And and so that's when, but I secretly, when I look back at my journals, I wanted to be uh I wanted to be in front of the camera mm-hmm. earlier than I would admit it. And then in time to kill was the big one, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that was let me give y'all a deal on this guy. <laughs> the most fun was when we he did we went out to his first premiere days and computers in westwood and yeah. and we and he and i did answer what they and it was a cheap you know it wasn't a very elaborate uh premiere and i think i don't know it's in some back room some i don't know where it was it was a little theater yeah. and he and i said well, they got anything to drink and he said man i don't know so he and i run to a liquor store i mean we're just a couple of you know man i'm excited i don't know shit He's barely into it. He don't know shit. And we're running all, we're all excited. So, so, so we go, anyways, we do, we do the deal and then we stays up. We get, and I, I rent a limo. Remember I rent a limo. We ride. Got a bottle of wine, snuck it in, corkscrewed, popped it, drank some yeah. wine. You were in a stretch Whiskey, limo. Whatever. Wow. And so we're riding around in this limo all night long. He's got a little shotgun apartment. I swear it's so small. That you could shit and scramble eggs at the same time. I swear to God. Could you not? You could sit on that toilet Good. and you could literally goddamn hold the dadgum grill. I mean, that's more. You barely get in there. The bathroom's on your right. The stove's on your left. There's a loft up there. You could, I promise, you could shit and scramble eggs at the, at the same time. Because I said, look at this, Matthew, man. You could cook while you're taking a crap. He's like, oh, come on, man. You know? So he disappears that night. And be, me being from the old school, I get a phone call, and it's the guy dang producers from Days and Confused wanting to know where Matthew McConaughey is. And they said, I said, what do you mean, where is he? And they said, 
when we were with angels in the outfield and he's supposed to be there at, one, at uh, 11 o'clock and it's three o'clock right now. I said, well, fire the son of a bitch. He ain't going to show up on goddamn <laughs> 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 I told him to fire him. And I mean, uh, just because it's right about my dad right now. Is that, that you, know, you ain't gonna be in there that late? You're fired. Well, hell, I don't know anything about the business, and I and, I'm, and sure enough, me, I, you got there. Remember, you, I guess you fell asleep in the airport, right, Matthew? Yeah, in the back of that limo, I fell asleep, and <laughs> on the road trip back, they they gave me some amnesty. They 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 knew that I had quite enjoyed the night before. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how fun! That, but that movie. But, but oh that. My God. Oh my God! But it was so memorable. So but but memorable. was that was that a was that a character that you just came up with on the spot, or was that something that was in your mind? You know, I mean, no, that was. We mean Waterson, huh? And dazed. Waterson and dazed. So, yeah. yeah. So y'all know this as, as, as actors, sometimes, you know, you study details of a character mm -hmm. and you, and other times it's just an impression. Mm -hmm. That character was based off a specific day when I was about 10 years old going to pick up mom and I were going to pick up my brother, Pat after school, his car broke down. So we, we were supposed to pick him up in the station wagon and he wasn't where we were supposed to meet him. So as we're slowly driving through campus, I'm in the back seat looking out the back window and I see this image of this guy in shadow leaning against the wall in the smoking section with one leg, one boot heel kicked up on the, on the wall, the light shining through the bent knee, leaning back, kind of a lazy long hand. <laughs> and I was like, Whoa, he was like nine feet tall, the yeah. coolest thing in the world. And I was my brother, Pat. And I remember going, there's Pat! And I stopped because I was like, oh, if I say his name, mom turns around, he's going to get his butt whooped for smoking. So I didn't say anything. Mm. We just kept driving. But that image yeah. of who I thought my brother was Ooh, cool. through my 10-year-old eyes when he was that much of an icon was who I based Wilderson And then Linklider let you just, you know, was a lot of improv in that character or was it all written? Yeah. I mean, because no, one, one of my favorite one of my favorite lines still to this day is, is you gotta you gotta join you like be cooler if you like cooler if you did that yeah. shit. Well, it is. just seems like the lines from that have followed <laughs> you your entire career. Like, isn't it wild how that happens? And 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 it's like well, yeah, it's iconic character. Well, with it, here's it, how it, I here's how I would see it. Right? It's like it's like <laughs> some people like for let's let's use a rock star. Hold as on, an real example. quick. Was that your line? Was that your line or was that a written line? I gotta know. I I don't think that scene was in there. I don't didn't remember. Seem I'd have to written, didn't seem written. I know what written. scene. What here's the line that was in there that was the launch pad line. Mm -hmm. No man, I, I get older. They stay the same age. Yeah. yeah. That and yeah. I was like, I saw that line. I was yeah. like, who is that guy? Yeah. Who believed that? Yeah. There's an encyclopedia on him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. But it's funny. Like I think about uh, musicians or pop stars or rock stars who have a hit song, and then like 20 years later. They got to play the hit song mm -hmm. and it after like some, for some people it could be like, Oh my God, I, I hate this. I hate the song. Mm -hmm. I hate it now. I hate playing it. I hate doing it. Sure. Right. And, and to me, there's certain, certain iconic moments. Like I have it with almost famous, like, you know, people yelling out, it's all happening or, you know, all, all of that, you know, and, and with, with, with days and confused, you've got, all right, all right, all right. Mm -hmm. You've got, I love them redheads. I mean, it, it's followed you. Yeah. But like, how are you? What's your relationship with that? Here's why I have a, a, a great relationship, especially with "All right, all right, all right." <laughs> Those are the first three words I ever said on mm, film. Right. That night when I got called to set 
to do a makeup wardrobe test, which y'all know are. It doesn't mean you're working. It means the director's going to come over and check out your makeup wardrobe while he's on set or she's on set and then approve it. And you come back when you're supposed to work. That's what that night was for me. Well, Linkletter comes over his hands out starts going look at you okay yeah you peach the peach shirt you got the peach pants comb over black panther tattoo pipe runner and i got like this is wooderson I'm like yeah he goes say um you know wooderson's guy has probably been with the typical hot chicks in high school you know the cheerleader and most popular major i'm like yeah and he goes you think he'd be interested in the redheaded intellectual i'm like oh yeah man wooderson likes all types of chicks and he's like well, you know, Marissa Rabisi is playing the redheaded intellectual, and she's over here in the uh, in, in the drive-through with her friends in the back, and they're kind of nerdy and stuff. And I don't know, we think Wooderson might pull up and pick her up. And I'm like, give me thirty minutes. And I went on a walk, and I was like, who's my man? Who's my man? Who's my man? Right. So I next thing I know, I'm in the car, and about to do my first scene ever in film. And I there's no lines. I'm just supposed to go pick her up. <laughs> And I remember going in my head silently going, who's my man? What am I about? And I go, I'm about my car. And I said, well, I'm in my 70s Chevelle. There's one. And then I'm like, I'm about getting high. And I'm like, well, Slater's riding shotgun. He's always got a nice doobie rolled up. There's two. And I said, I'm about rock and roll. I said, well, I got Nugent Stranglehold in the eight track right here, man. There's three. And then I hear action. And as I hear action, I look up and over at Marissa Rabisi, the redheaded intellectual who I'm going to go pick up. And into myself, I go, and I'm about picking up chicks. Put it in drive, pulled out and said, the affirmative for the three things I do have, going to get, going to get the fourth. All right, all right, all right. How <laughs> 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 oh, lucky is that? I mean, a lot, so, of people, that's, lucky. a lot of people are known for picking their nose and you know, eat burgers when they're little kids. This guy gets all right, all right, all right. <laughs> That's pretty good. And I didn't know it that night that if this was just a one-off little one-night hobby, I was yeah. going to be a part of, and that was going to be it forever. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Here, yeah. 20 years later, it's turned into a career. So that's the callback to the very first words so I ever said on film. So I'm great. like, yeah, yes. Say them anyway, brand them, put them on a T-shirt, yep. yell them across the street. How? I'm yes. That's such a healthy <laughs> love. That way. Dude. yeah, really nice, yeah. It's so it's like filled with with gratitude, you mm -hmm. know. Brewster, when he when when Matthew found that success, was everyone in the family happy? Do you give him shit? Was it you know? I mean, you watching performances? Oh man, it was it was it was so much fun in the beginning. I mean, not that it's not fun now, but I mean, you know, you you're like, I mean, you know how the thrill, especially if you're not in that 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 world. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just like it was just. The, the funnest time I really, I remember he called me on the golf course. And I'm going to get kind of teary out here, mm, maybe. That's all right. And I was playing golf, and he got that deal for Time to Kill. And it was like, because, you know, he didn't have to struggle as long as, like, a lot of people do because he was hitting it. He worked hard. But when he got that deal, I guess it was Warner Brothers, and, and when he said, I got this job with Time to Kill. And it was just like, you know, I had, and, of course, you know, we had all our, so many people, because he was just, you know, he was just one of the guys, which he still is one of the guys, but he's got to kind of, you know, poor guy's got to watch his shit now, you know, because everybody's trying to pull down the guy on top of the pole, you know. <laughs> and 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 so everybody was just, I mean, the golfer guys, man, my brother got all, he got this goddamn three-deal deal, and da, da, da. And then because, you know, I mean, he had so many people rooting for him. And when you got the time to kill, I was on a par three, 201-yard hole. And I think I whipped it after that. Whenever you told me, but I was so excited 
when you told me you got that deal. I mean, it was it was uh, when we had the old flip phone. Mm-hmm. But it but it was I mean, we were I mean it was we we got to do it together. We got to do it together. Uh, it was just you know like I guess you know it was a, you know it was a, it was just a storybook kind of deal. We 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 got to do it. All of us got to like do it together, and it was just so neat. We wished our dad would have been there. Yeah, but, yeah. But it was still- know, I'll tell you this, and you, know, you probably know it, but another cool thing about why I love days and like lines that follow me. Five days into shooting, five days after that night. All right, all right, all right. I get the call from mom. Says your dad died. Oh. I go yeah. home. That's when Rooster and I come together. And after a few days, they're like, get your ass back. Dad would want you to go finish the yeah. job. You get your ass back. Go. So I drove back from Houston and ended up working. And uh, that first night back was the night that I threw out the just keep living line in the football field oh, scene. Because yeah. I was thinking yeah. about how to deal with dad's death. Oh, uh, God. So this movie is just filled with your per- with just, uh, personal, personal things. You know, I mean, firsts and lasts, honestly. Well, but that was time to kill, right? No, that was well. No, that was days. Oh, oh that was on days. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so so, was, so your dad didn't even get to see any of your no. success. But he was alive five days. There was an overlap, and I always this has always given me some peace of mind. Before that time, you know, Dad, Dad, I need. I really, I promise you, I really need the skateboard elbows and the knee pads, and because I'm gonna really work at it. I'm really gonna be a skateboarder. No, you sure said, yeah, I promise you. He'd buy them for me. How mm. oh, I didn't follow up on skateboard no, and everything I like. I like solicited him to please help get yeah. me were just little hobbies that I forgot. Right. Never followed through on. So all of a sudden he's alive five day overlap for the thing that I started that became mm. more than a hobby, became a career. So I'm always like, he was alive when I started what I would finish. <laughs> was, was it, was it, he, that he, he wanted suddenly? him, he wanted him to get him in a minute light commercial back then when they had those good those commercials oh, yeah. with the athletes. Memory like, oh maybe the boy will get famous and get me one of them men are like commercials. <laughs> I'd say that's, that's that that's to, to have a, a shack on the beach in Navarre Beach, sell oysters on the half shell, gumbo and Miller Light in a can. Mm, yeah. Nice. And <laughs> I'm gonna tell you something else that y'all don't know with Navarre Beach, you talking about Navarre Beach. My oldest son, who was closer to his age, five years different, he ran over this guy with a jet ski. <laughs> And he has it, and I'm talking, oh has a scar all the way. 78. All the way down. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and, and you can always tell when he's getting pissed because that scar will get red. <laughs> <laughs> That's so. Ran right over and had to hold him up and drown him. And my dad's running up down the beach going, you son of a bitch, Madison, I told you. Stay away, stay away. And, Wait, and, and I Madison had no him. idea that was a scar. So yeah. And check this out. You know how it rains in Florida in the afternoon? Mm. They pull me out. I'm unconscious. They pull me out of the water. Wow. I'm like, hey, everything's okay. Scary. We get in the car. Dad starts driving down that highway. Those Florida monsoon comes. And Dad's doing about 90. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm still in shock. Going, what's going on? It's, it's not a big deal. And I reach up to grab. I kept, I kept trying. I can't get the water out of my eyes. I can't get the water out of my eyes. But it was blood. And my eye was kind of sagging. And I reach up to the vanity mirror to lower it to look. And when Dad reaches over and goes... No, and lowered, and right when he did that, I went, oh, it must be so bad. And I remember I started crying, and the lump goes oh up in the back. Oh, my God. Oh, my, my God. Head. Five minutes later, he whips off the highway into this little one-story, looked look like a realtor shop, goes in, carries me in, sew him up. The guy yeah. goes, well, sew him up. I don't, what are you talking about? He's got him, sew him up right now. 
It was a veterinarian. Oh my <laughs> god. The old man is my oldest boy is kind of bad. He, he knocked him out with a golf club another time, too. Poor no. guy. Yeah, he Matt, Matt Madison tried to take him out of his career two, three times time. without knowing. Yeah. You guys this still, you guys, you guys, explains, you guys, explains so much. You guys still play? You guys still playing golf? I know Matthew. Do you still play? I don't make I don't make the time to do it that no. much anymore. Yeah, uh, we did that pretty steady though. Getting together, Rooster, yeah. Pat, and I. Are you guys an emotional family just in general? I mean, is everyone okay to cry around each other? And you know, even growing up and all that, or is, do you hold emotions tight? I think we're pretty loose. I think we're, you know, we, we can be pretty loose. Sometimes you you wait too long to to get it out. You mm -hmm. know, we have a rule that, especially after dad. My mother said, when when our dad died, she sat us boys down and she said, "Listen, I'm tired of being the goddamn third wheel because my dad and us boys would go and mom would be, you know, would would kind of be left out. And when dad died, she sat us down and she said, "Let me tell y'all something. I want to be one of the boys." Mm. And I want y'all to, I don't want y'all holding nothing back. Mm. Nothing. I want to, you talk to me like one of the boys, and I want to be one of the boys. And people would go, How can you talk to your mother that way? I go, Well, she likes it. <laughs> I said, she, she doesn't want us not to do that. And we have a deal, which my wife, she just, she can't already believe it. Whatever we, we'll sit around and drink and carry on, and we get in some loud, loud arguments. I mean, some, I'm talking about good. That people would think you're never going to get over. Get real out, yeah. Mm. And the next morning, whatever it is, when you're drinking, the next morning you got a clean slate. Mm -hmm. Boom, it's over. You walk in, raw. Hey, man, how's it going? Mm. You don't, you don't, you don't go back on it. Mm -hmm. Nobody in our family ever held a grudge. That's the thing. You don't go like you with with the roost thing. You don't. It was uh, it was over. You handle it that night. You get it out, and if you, it, it may come, tears may fall, but you wake up in the morning, everyone's clean slate, and yeah. you never yeah. bring it up on somebody and go like later on you're not allowed to go well remember that time you did something uh -uh. that yeah. you will get a butt whooping for bringing it up on somebody that's actually a great i like done. that i like that too. i like that a lot so when you wrote green lights you went out for great. 22 days great no semester. electricity correct 52 total days 52. the first 12 yeah the first one was a 12-day trip to a place with no electricity just me and me with the generator and a printer and all my diaries now it's just to go see what the hell it was and what I had. Okay. Wow. And in that, I found stories, people, places, prescriptions, poems, prayers, and about 216 bumper stickers. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and and so what and so what what inspired you to to write a book? I had been I'd been daring to write, daring myself to write one for the past 15 years and just didn't have the courage to go do it. So I've been keeping all those diaries, all those beer coasters and napkins and places I took notes over the past 35 years. I've been keeping them in a treasure chest and always took it with me and had it right next to my office, but always would look at it and be like, ah, maybe, you know, when I die, maybe Camilla or somebody will read some of that stuff. And if any of it's worthy to share, they'll share it. And then I was like, one day I was looking and that damn treasure chest was barking at me and I had about two weeks of free time. And without even saying it, Camilla came up to me. She goes, yep, you know what you got to do. Get the hell out of here. Take the, take the chest, pack up your cooler and your food. Get out of here. Don't come back until you got something. And so the next morning I headed out. And um, like I said, went out to go find out what it was. And um, where did you go? Wrote, 
I went out to Fort Davis, Texas, where I was conceived, where after 16 years of dry, of dry, of dry darts, pop, maybe something stick, <laughs> I went out there um, where I was conceived yeah. um, and, and the first 12 days. And then after that, did different 10, 11, nine day trips, all totaling up to 52 days. Did you go so, home in between? I would go back, handle things in between. Okay. It's back up and then you head out and have no internet, no nothing for, for 10 to So, days. so the things that you would write, cause this is fascinating to me because you know, I, I, I'm not dissimilar in that way. The problem is I just don't write it down. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many different thoughts in my mind that I wish that I had recorded somehow. Right. right. Do you, when you go through this chest, I mean, are there just thought like moments, actual moments, and then just thoughts and revelations. And what did this chest look like? There's, there, there, there's moments. There's, there's, there's one liners. There's when I say prescribes, there's like things, the wisdom that I've learned. There are uh, lyrics, which are most of the, like the bumper stickers. There are poems from 1988. There's mm. prayers I've had. Like I said, there's people I've crossed on those four years on the road and just trailer park stories. Mm. Um, there's stories of like some we've talked about today, which sound like a red light moment mm-hmm. as a green light mm-hmm. or were a red light moment, dad passing away, red light moment. Mm-hmm. But I'm. it's very clear to me now that I probably wouldn't be sitting here if my dad didn't pass away then because his moving on took away the crutch of me relying on things that since he was alive, his moving on, I had to man up and activate those things that Mm. he was teaching me because I didn't have that crutch of him anymore. Mm. Um, So that's a green light asset of his moving on. Um, And I just, that's the central theme because so many places where I was like, Oh, this was so hard. It was obviously revealed that, Oh, as you said it a while ago, eight months of hell for you, you wouldn't give it back. Why? Mm -hmm. Because it was a you inside, right? Yeah. You had you had that resistance time that you wouldn't give back. So I do believe that all of our red and yellow lights in life, whether it's this life or the next, will eventually turn green. Mm-hmm. That's a great concept. Oh, that's a really really great concept. It's so it's so fun for me because like we've known each other a long time, and and even though we don't spend time together, like you know, I was twenty. How old was I? Twenty one. 22 and and you're 10 years older than me I think and and it's like I mean that was 20 almost 20 years ago and from from where we were then to where we are now there's been so much growth and like just even having this conversation with you and what did you did you guys ever have a situation <laughs> no, no come on no ever no like, no, no never no. working together I get asked, no. I get asked all the time too you're both asked, hot you know, there's more shit to cut more shit to cut <laughs> no. <laughs> no we never we never, never? not even close no no, no as, you're a pot stirring son of a bitch <laughs> yes sir i am and i i revel in it that it wasn't her fault you went through eight years of shit you're <laughs> pot stirring now. when we were when we were doing how to lose a guy Everyone wants to know. I was with, I do. I was with Chris right. when when we were doing How to Lose a Guy, and then when we were doing Fool's Gold, he he was with uh, Camilla, uh, and and that's actually she came out. That was the first trip out, wasn't it? Never the right first time. trip that she ever that I ever had someone with me besides my dog on on a set. Oh mm. yeah, and and yeah. and it was. Um, I mean, for me, it was like, oh. Matthew has a girl here. Like, it was like, this is serious. <laughs> you don't see that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I remember, I remember seeing her for the first time down that little street and she was wearing this hot little black tight dress. Do you remember that dress? I remember it. Do you remember I mean, it? 
And we all went out that night. We played pool and we got wasted. And uh, this is actually really good. This is a good match. Well, there's story. funny stories of there's you guys so scuba many, diving and the jellyfish. There's so many I've funny some... stories. <laughs> We've got a million. And actually, it's so fun because I've been thinking about them. Like, how about when you you went to Papua New Guinea? We had like a break, and and Matthew went out to Papua New Guinea, which of course I was like, please don't get killed. Okay, let's first of all, let's finish the movie. First of all, we got to finish the movie. Second of all, he comes back. He's he'd taken up surfing, and he would been so you've been surfing a lot, and he came back with a scab down his back that you. I mean, oh, yeah. a, a re- but it was this wasn't a reefer. This was like a gash. It was like a gash the size of his eye. And the whole makeup department was like, well, yeah, he's got to have his shirt off like this whole movie. You know, it was like, what are we going to It was like, you know, like latex it, yeah. like, oh, it's like, um, but Matthew. OK, so the first night I the first night we all went out. We were out at the bar and I talked to Camille a little bit and she was shy. You know, it's like, you know, because there was no she was just meeting us for the, you know. Anyway, we all had a little bit to, m- more to drink than you should. And, and you know, we're, we're in the middle, we're at the edge of the world. And, um, and all of a sudden, Matthew gets up on a chair and he goes, everybody, my lady can't find her purse. <laughs> and the whole bar just stopped. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> somebody, took her, somebody took her purse. And we're sitting there and he, he, I mean, he did it. It was a, it was a Matthew moment. Like it was a whole monologue and it was like (laughs) declaring like, this is my woman and you're going to give the purse back. Whoever has it, wherever it is. I'm not saying anybody took it, you know, in Matthew's diplomacy. And this woman sitting next to me, the, the whole bar is quiet. She goes, and he's literally on the bar. And, and she goes, is this it? And he goes, good woman. Thank you very much. <laughs> like the whole bar just continued. I was like, okay, he he's gonna be with his girl for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean that's why. No, it, we never, never. Um, well, before we before we get going, I just I want to your guys take on sort of spirituality. I guess you know, I, because Uh-oh. you have are you are you guys religious? Is there a spirituality that you sort of partake in? You know, is it just the human condition? Where are you guys? Yeah, at? I'm a I'm a Pretty, I'm, yeah, good old Methodist boy. Yeah, you know we we like everybody. You know, you know, it's kind of pretty easy. Mm-hmm. I always recommend people that if they want to learn anything about the Bible, I would start with. Re- I, I like I learned more reading the children's Bible than I did. I read the Bible one and a half times, and in in in, in uh, but I always I, I I I say read the children's Bible. Just give you the basics. Don't overthink the religion. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to believe, if you don't, if you don't want to believe in shit, don't read the son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. But if you want to believe, then give it a break, you know, because I mean, it's, it contradicts itself. But I mean, I'm just saying, you want to believe, then you want to believe. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. I make when Pam and I see an atheist, I go, well, you know, I, said, what? I hope there's more of you because that'll give me a better chance of getting in there. <laughs> <laughs> Only so many of them going to make it. That's a god dang. Come on, keep promoting that shit, man, because. I ain't all that good. I ain't gonna be first choice, you know. But I sure wouldn't mind being one of the last ones to get in. Yeah. <laughs> and what about you, Matthew? I, you, yeah, myself is, you know, I think with the travel, a lot of the traveling I've done, yeah. people I've I've met, um, I'm definitely, uh, uh, you know, we were raised Methodist Christian, but I am not at the exclusion of another path mm-hmm. uh, to, to to where. Uh, it is that we we may or may not be going, nor am I arrogant enough to say that I know that there is a place. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I would say uh, more of an optimistic mystic. I've, I've, I've spent my time as an agnostic as well, which was also very good for me because if anything, it wasn't because I quit believing. It was that as an, from the agnostic point of view, I needed to be more, take more responsibility for my own self-determination. I was letting myself slide mm. too much at times. I need to put my, you never in. told mother that you never told mother that. <laughs> and tell mom that I think she know. I no. mean, I, I no, think she, no, well, like I said, I didn't quit believing during those times, but I did take some time off to go. Okay. If you don't have, if there, you know, if you don't have that crutch or you mm -hmm. don't have that possibility, what are you doing about it right now? Well, with your hands on the wheel. McConaughey. Mm -hmm. And to me that, that pleased God that mm -hmm. I took the time off to go. I got to put my hands on the wheel, make sure I'm being responsible for myself mm -hmm. and not just, believing in the fate of it all. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, optimistic mystic mm -hmm. is what right. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Turn into another green light. That's right. That's right. And then before oh, we no. do a quick speed round, I just want to talk about um, J.K. Living just because you've been, you've been at this a long time and you're so passionate about it. Let's talk about the foundation a little bit and what you're sort of doing right now with it. Yep. So we have the After School Foundation in Title I High Schools. These are schools that are 50% dropout rates, um, lower income areas. Um, most all the young men and women are on the, on the, the food program at the school. Um, we're giving them a safe place to go after school twice a week where they get, they make an exercise goal, which may be, hey, I can't even run half a mile, but I want to make the soccer team. All right, we're going to help you get in shape enough where you can make the soccer team. Another girl may come up and go, I need to lose three pounds in the next two months so I can fit in my prom dress. All right, we're going to help you lose three pounds so you can fit in your prom dress. Nutrition-wise, hey, your mom bought five burgers last night and fries for 40 bucks. We're going to take you to the supermarket with 40 bucks, show you how you can purchase a healthier meal, and you get to go home and cook it together. Mm. Um, third one's community service. They have to give do community service within their area. And the final halo over the whole foundation is gratitude. And the kids all sit around, and this is kind of the coolest part of it. They all sit around and say one thing they're thankful for, mm -hmm. as we've done many times, Kate, over before dinner and stuff. Mm -hmm. Say something you're thankful for because we believe that if you're thankful, the more you're thankful for, the more you're going to create in your life to be thankful for. And we are in uh, 39 schools in the United States, I think about uh, just over 10 cities. Um, and uh, so far, it, 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 it's, it's, it's working, and That's we're trying great. to fulfill a need where we can. That's great. That's so great. And do you have a gratitude practice with you? Do you do? Do you practice gratitude every yeah, day? Yeah, our family with, does it. We do. We, do, we do it before meals. Yeah. Just everyone holds yeah. hands and say say a thank you. Yeah. For something, and you know, you know how that is. It, it, yeah. At the very, at the very least, it makes the food taste better. Yeah. 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 And it's fun to hear what I the kids come up with. I always take a little taste sometimes. to be sure I'm gonna thank for. Well, yeah. you know what else? It also you realize that when you don't do it, because it, you may sometimes you get busy and you're like you forget or something. The kids are always the ones that are like, "We didn't do that." Mm -hmm. and you're like, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. and you know that he's got a podcast called "Ain't the Cow Dog." Roosters really, really likes it. It's this uh, John Erickson. This guy in West Texas wrote these uh, uh, these children's books years ago. And Jeff Nichols, who directed Mud, came to me about five months ago, and he's like, I've got the rights to these stories. And it's got this lead dog on the ranch who, and I want you, he's Hank, and he, he sort of figures out these mysteries on the ranch and stuff. Cool. And they're going through schools as educational tools for, for teaching these values to kids. And so our second episode just came out on, on Apple. And oh, that's it's just great. great. Only audio. He's Hank. He's Hank. He's that's Hank. So that's good. Good. What's it called again? 
What's the name of Ain't it? The cow dog. Cow dog. Ain't the cow, cow dog. The, 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 this is these since Corona started, the podcast it's podcast mania. I've got one called Just Bullshit with Rooster and Butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody has to. I'm tuning into that one. Rooster. Just, just bullshit. Just bullshit. Just bullshit. 90% of everything you worry about, if you'd have known it for those eight years you went through, if you'd have realized it. 90% of everything we're all freaking out about is just bullshit. 100% <laughs> it's bullshit. Of course. And if you didn't know that, I've always believed that. So you got to remember that I could have helped you. That's right. Well, I've, I, I, it took a while. Here's what Rooster sent to me the other day. And he's talking, we're talking about COVID, right? And all these, hey, you can go back to work and we should and we shouldn't, and blah, 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 blah. He writes me this note and I kept this through. This came in, uh, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. Who is leading the country today? I'm not sure. I mean, for instance, take school reopening. The president passes it to the governor. The governor passes it to the mayor. Who passes it to the school board? Who passes it to the parents? Who asks their children if they want to go to school? <laughs> Hold on a second. I'm confused. <laughs> By the way, that's fucking that's genius. So that's, that should be. A, I want that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna quote that on my Instagram. Oh my god. All right, quick speed round. Ready? One word. To, one word to describe the other. Resilient. That's how I describe Rue. No, I describe you. as pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> he is pretty cool. That damn bitch is pretty cool. I gotta say that he is pretty cool. One word to describe your relationship. It's it's a pretty connected. Connected. We don't have to talk. I don't. Is, I can't do one word. But it went, yeah. we don't have to talk to each other every day. Yeah, love that. Uh -uh. Yeah, it, it is. It is connected. That's true. And we don't have to. We don't have to. It can go. It can be months. It's never really months, but it can be months. And we pick right back up. And we know that there ain't no ulterior motive in the universe between us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. I love uh, that you just if, pick right pick right up wherever you left off. If your brother was an animal, what would he be? <laughs> That's a good one. Badger. <laughs> Me. Yeah, you're a badger. Yeah. You're a hummingbird. Shit. I didn't move right, <laughs> left, that shit. That's my bird. I'm a hummingbird. Is it? That's my animal, yeah. That dumbass is on his feet at all times, man. <laughs> dumbass can goddamn go forward, back. He don't ever catch him off. Yeah, but you know what's so amazing about that? The hummingbird, even when it's moving, can be as still as anything else. Yeah, I'm right? telling you, it, man. Like, I mean, stays, he's on it. Just he, he, he's covers. on it at all. He, 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 the guy's on it. Do you guys fight at all? I mean, or is it pretty just a pretty, you know, even relationship? I mean, there, is there ever fights or arguments? We're getting we get some sit downs and shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, mm. well, look, remember, we were spread out enough where we didn't really yeah. fight. Right. Like I had my bluff in. I still had my bluff in. They, they didn't pull over. <laughs> yeah, we, we 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 get there's some there's some wrestling matches that 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 happen and 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 he's got a pain threshold of a batter this guy oh. he, I, and, and then his deal is I'll have him in a good chuckle but he gets that pinky going back going back going back I'm like I don't know give me before he does I don't know he because he'll sit there I let him use all his gas up because he's running around trying to do it and I just wait wait wait. And all he knows how to do is choke. Right. I mean, this is Mr. Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah. And he's just a chokehold. It's always a choke. I just get he's got to get a hold of him and choke him. Choke. Oh, trust and me. I've, I've seen him in action at oh, the at the, at the uh, El Dorado member guest. 
in the ring <laughs> oh, where he, he choked out this little dude. I was like, oh shit, he, gave- he might die. This little kid might die. <laughs> no, yeah, we no. got called in the ring. Got called in the ring down there. This yeah. guy called me out, and uh, he held um, his own for sure. Matthew went. Matthew, oh my god, you take he'll care get of that old, he'll get that old red line. I'm getting all red and shit. <laughs> and here he comes at me. And he'll, but he'll go after Pat. Pat'll just pick up a damn old golf club and start swinging at him. Get away from me, Pat! Don't go that shit, doesn't you, Matthew? Uh-uh. Who's more and laid I'm back? I'm 66. I'm getting a little too tired of it. Yeah. No, you. Okay, who's Who, more laid back? Probably you. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks uh, I'm always like. I mean, you're pretty even keel. I'd say you're extremely even keel. I'm pretty intense on things with that. Some people, you know, that go, I that think I'm always laid back. No, um, that's the, I know. Mis- that's that's the, the misconception, misconception about you, Matthew. I think, yeah. I mean, I've had moments I mean, on set uh, where I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down for a second. <laughs> Matt, Matt, I I'm going to sit down, let him go Matt, through it. Matthew is, uh, is, uh, Matthew is generally an I'm Stonewall Jackson. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right, right. He's going to plan it. He's going to, he, he, he's going to. He's going to oversee it without where I might, you know, if we're getting attacked, you might want me in there. I'm going to make a move. He may say, hold on a minute. We got to figure out our shit. So I would assume that from what I'm hearing that Rooster's probably a little bit more of the like, you know, I would say probably more laid back. Am I? I think he's more even, even kill. While, like he said, while I'm back trying to measure the architecture, the overall mm-hmm. situation here, Rooster's already... You know, got it. Got his head down the porcupine hole, <laughs> trying to bite that thing and pull it out. <laughs> uh, desensitizing, yeah. Trying to defuse everything or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Would you rather live in the future or or the past if you could not live in the present? I mean, where would you want to be? Would you rather be in like oh, the future? Give me some more brand new stuff. Yeah. Well, at sixty-six, you know, I got I mean, goddamn, I can knock a few years off. <laughs> <laughs> First celebrity crush. Mom is Lisa Bonet, Angel Heart. Oh, yeah. Oh, hot. <laughs> Man, I don't know what the deal is. Why they say I'm, I'm like, like, oh, you're Rooster. Reba McIntyre. Goldie Hawn. Well, certainly, <laughs> I was going to say it. That little old God, I hate it when she looks at me funny. And look, she looks cross-eyed. I hate that shit. <laughs> I just love her for it. All right, go-to drink. Miller Lite. Miller Lite. Miller Lite. Yeah. Tequila. Uh Tequila and that and Long Ranch bourbon, yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, of course, of course, your bourbon. I don't do a lot of whiskey because my, my 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 words get out in front of me. Then I'm following, you know. Uh oh, did I, I just say that? Son I, of a bitch. I always say if I have too much whiskey, I'm either gonna get naked or gonna get in a bad fight. <laughs> it's gonna be yeah, one or, or the or other. Or it's never shit, down you know. the middle. Or a bad fight naked. <laughs> That's a really good night. <laughs> Bruce, Brewster, what's the difference between a beer drunk and a whiskey drunk? With a beer drunk, you know, you can kind of, I mean, the thing of beer is an honest drink because you got to get to stop to pee a lot, you know. I mean, you get full, you know, and if you eat, you're done. You know, with whiskey, <laughs> shit, son of a bitch, man, you just keep it going, you know, and it, get, and it gets, and I drink it. I drink everything at the same speed. So the whiskey, <laughs> I'm a little, I, you know, I used to drink two bottles of scotch a day back in the day. Ooh, and so I, quit, I quit when I was 30. Yeah, I mean, I figured I, want, I wanted to drink every day for the rest of my life instead of have to quit. So I mean, I, I threw it down when I was 30 years old. That and cigarettes. I so feel I'm, like there's a punchline to this show. There's got to be a punchline, though, Matthew. Were you going for a punchline? 
Yeah, I'm looking for his real quote because he has one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's much more. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> It was it's real much earnest, more man. Like, much more succinct. <laughs> I, like, I can't remember what I say. Remember, you said beer drunk. You know, you know, you you see trouble coming, da 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 da, and you can at least decide before you get into it. But, but a whiskey oh, yeah. drunk, you don't know it. You're in trouble until tomorrow. No, the, no, the whiskey <laughs> drunk is like. Is, is, I mean, I'm, I'm saying your 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 actions and your and your 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 uh, speech get out ahead of you. You're looking. You're actually sit back and you're observing, going. Did I really say that or did I really do that? Right. You know, and then with beer, you know, you can catch yourself a little quicker, you know. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you guys were to cast someone other than yourself in, in your movie, your life story, I already know who Rooster is to me. I mean, like Woody Harrelson, <laughs> I just would cast Woody as Rooster. But Rooster, wh wh who would you cast Matthew as in his life story? <laughs> Aside, so from Aside from himself. Aside from himself. Brad Pitt or Lee or, or, or Cappuccino. What's it? Leonardo Cappuccino? Leo Cappuccino. Leo Cappuccino. Leo Cappuccino. Leo Cappuccino. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Leon Cappuccino. Leon Cappuccino. Oh, <laughs> uh, the Malaprops are wonderful. <laughs> Who would you cast your brother? Holy shit, Leon Cappuccino. That's going to be my new stage name. If who, would I, who would I cast to play Rooster? Yeah. What's his name? Ken Kesey? Ken Casey? <laughs> Ken Kesey. That'll work. So our final question we always end is, so if you were to, it's a two-part question. The first part is if there's something that you would want to take or emulate from your brother, a quality, a characteristic, what would that be? And the other part is if there's something you could relieve uh, a stressor or, or alleviate. alleviate from your brother, um, that you feel would sort of give them some ease in their life, what what would that be? Um, what I wish I could take from you, man, is you got incredible common sense. I got some, but man, you can suss up a situation and base it that baseline a human situation better than anybody I've ever met. I've seen you defuse things that were absolutely about to explode, and I have no idea how you wrangled the entire situation and, and made sense of it to everybody. Um, what I for you to de-stress, just to, you and mom both, you know, you got that quality that if the Dalai Lama invites you over to a private dinner for four for his 100th birthday, you and mom are damn convinced that that cake's for you. <laughs> <laughs> and that you better, no. and that you have to be on that night and you have to perform that night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God! You're bringing me back to premieres uh, with your mom. You know, I, the one thing I remember the first time with your mom at a premiere, she was so proud. But it was it was Mama's show. Remember? I mean, I oh, remember. Yeah. Oh yeah. My mom, my mom's got one answer for me for all 54 movies I've ever done after she sees them. Right. <laughs> that was good. Thanks, mom. Yep. Yep. Once again, I know where you got it from. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, All right, Ruth, what about you for, for Matthew? He really has discipline. You know, he can stay, he, he has, he, he, I, I watch him, I watch him operate. He has, he has discipline. You know, it's just, it's just his, his presentation is discipline. I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm like, he's a cool dude, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, the guy just kind of, you know, regardless of what's going on that head of his, I mean, the guy is, is always, uh, I think it's discipline. I kind of, I, I admire that. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, 
have that as much as he has it. So I, I, I've always respected that. Matthew's got, you know, he knows where he is. What stress would you take from my life? Take from it if you could remove it. The total stress that I would take from you? I don't know what one I, thing. Buddy, like, let oh. me tell you. No, no, let me tell you. Let me let me just tell you. I've all, and I, I've told you this, man. If we could get rid of these fucking cell phones and you could be your goddamn self in public, pal, mm -hmm. that's what I wish to God for you. <laughs> that is what that is what I feel so bad for you is in fucking goddamn set up cell phones and shit. And what they can do with them today is horrible. I just feel so sorry for you because I know how much of a people's person you can be mm. and what you want to do. And yet you got to worry about somebody fucking taking into sit. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yep. Cell phone. I know. Yep. If I could yep. get, if we could get rid of cell phones from your goddamn life, because you got so many people that just want to, people make so much money on negativity. Mm -hmm. yep. Negativity is so much more fun to talk about the positivity, mm -hmm. the people, which to us, man, we love to talk about somebody hitting the fucking home run. We don't want to talk about that stomach striking out or sliding in, breaking its fucking leg, mm -hmm. you yep. know, and, but a lot of people like negativity and yeah. that's the cell phone has been a bad, bad deal mm, for that. I love that. That's great. That's so great. I'd love to see my little brother be able to walk down a goddamn mm -hmm. street. Excuse me. I'm trying to quit cussing. I call it cod, C-O-D-A-M. I'm cussing a fish. Goddamn <laughs> street and be able to relax and be himself and not have to worry about it. It's so great. That's so great, Rooster. You guys, thank you. I, I want to add to that because, you know, Matthew, that's such a great thing because Matthew has a quality that, like, anyone who knows him or has worked with him, that he there, there's things that you do that sort of release your energy, and they're almost, like, spiritual. Like, Matthew, want, when he wants to dance, mm -hmm. like, you've never seen anybody express themselves when they're dancing, like, more honestly, mm -hmm. and you're in it. And it's just mm -hmm. as expressive as it gets, mm -hmm. and you and your and you have this sort of wild animalistic side to you that is so awesome, that can be interpreted differently, you know. <laughs> and so, and so, yeah. So the cell phone's like the worst thing. Or you just <laughs> say, or you just say, fuck it. Or you say, fuck, fuck it. it. Yeah. Film <laughs> away. <laughs> Fucking film Watch away. Yeah, I, I, I feel bad for. Y'all, even y'all, you know what I mean? Because people are waiting. We had a good, we had a good run though without the without the iPhones. We had a good yeah. run with just the yeah. flip phones. <laughs> anyway, you guys, thank you. Thank you guys so much. This was really fun. Okay. Thank you, Matthew. All right, I'll see you guys thank soon. You. Later, guys. Right, appreciate Bye. it. See you, brother. Yeah, buddy. Sibling Revelry is executive produced by Kate Hudson and Oliver Hudson. Producer is Allison Bresnik. Music by Mark Hudson, a.k.a. Uncle Mark. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.